awarded the Nobel, Nobel Laureate. Help me out here, Laureate? Laureate? Laureate, yeah. Anyways, bottom line, smart guy, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but this is what he said about uh, the uh, possibility of intelligent life on Earth just evolving. That's evolution. This is what he said about it. Said the odds against the right the odds against the right combination of circumstances occurring to evolve intelligent life on Earth are about four hundred thousand trillion 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 to one. And then he admitted it's that it's greatly impo- or improbable that, that that would ever happen. But he said, I believe it occurred. However, don't expect it to occur anywhere else in both this solar system or any part of the universe. See, but let me tell you what he just said. I will not accept that God is the creator and I will not give him glory for it. I I would hope this, that the absurd and the outrageous and the silly and the ridiculous ideas of evolution would never venture down your path because that is so dishonoring to Jesus Christ. And by the way, it, it um, well, he says in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. It's, it's, it's a way to reject God. And by the way, it hurts people. If you know anything about the Holocaust, Hitler believed in evolution. It was just, a you know, uh, whoever was the strongest should survive. Uh, I mean, things kind of go off of uh, evolution, this whole uh, environmentalist thing. And I'm not going to hear, I'm not trying to talk politics, but I did hear an interesting thought this week, that the whole global warming theory will probably kill between 20 and 50 million people. I think it's the next 10, 10 years. And you say, How? Not because the earth is warming. By the way, the earth is never going to flood. Every time you look at a rainbow, remember that. Next time it gets destroyed, it's fire. But people who do not want to have this earth overpopulated are taking grain and, and, uh, and corn and turning into fuel, and poor people cannot eat. And that's how 20 to 50 million people will die. It's out of starvation. It's a very maniacal thing. It's not like some, you know, uh, harmless teaching. We live on a disposable planet. It was made that way. Go forth and rule over it. And someday Jesus, and I think it's just out of, you know, you want to save this planet? Gone. New heaven and earth. So, needed to get that off my shoulders. Do not... Do not fall and, and stand for a six-day creation. I can't believe. How, how, could he do all that? Could he do all that in one? He's God. Number three. We've got to hurry now. <laughs> he is the light of all, who, is, who being the brightness of his glory. Uh, glory. Um, the New American says the radiance of his glory. By the way, radiance refers to the light that comes off his person, his nature. In other words, the brightness of the sun is not the sun. You don't see the sun. None of you have ever seen the sun. You see the, the gaseous explosions off of the sun, but you don't see the sun. 
A light bulb will give off a radiance. He's talking about the radiance. He is the brightness of His glory of the Father's. Jesus is the brightness of His glory. Just as the radiance of the sunlights warm and gives life to the earth, so in Christ, God's glorious light shines into our hearts to give us life and light. He's the radiance. Now just think of it this way. He is the, he is the light that comes off of His person. Okay? That's why when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. You live in darkness, I am the light. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. Jesus radiates God's light. By the way, he radiates God's light into your life. Now, Now catch this. And then we reflect his light. See, Jesus doesn't reflect God's light. He is the radiance of his glory because he's God himself. But as God, as Christ enters your life, then you become a reflector of his light. That's real important to know. He's the creator of the light. He's the, he's the one where the light has its source. So he is the light of all. And then number four, he is the God of all, the express image of the person, of his person. And that when he, when he uses the word person there, he's t- referring to the, the nature and the essence of God. In fact, New American says this, the exact representation of his nature. See, New American is a little clearer. All right. He is the ex- Jesus Christ is the exact representation of God the Father himself. Of God himself. So whereas the uh, brightness of his glory is the light that comes off of his person, I'm using this because you can maybe think of it, right, the light that comes out. This, the fourth characteristic, the express image of his person is the actual him as a being. Okay? His essence, his person, his nature. He is God in very nature. That word expressed image is the word that we get the word character. Character. In other words, it was used for the impression made by a die or a stamp on a seal. He's the exact representation of God. Or Colossians 1.15 actually uses a different word than character. It uses the word icon. That he is the image, the icon of the invisible God. And there, that word icon means the precise copy, the exact reproduction. He's exactly God. And yet, because of these terminologies, he's not saying that Jesus is the Father. He's the exact representation of the Father. So you have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. You have the Trinity. See, the scripture is very clear to make sure we're not talking just another mode. There's this thing called modalism out there. I think the uh, ABF covered it a couple weeks ago. Modalism says this, that there's only one God. Sometimes he shows up in the person, I mean, in the, in the, in the mode of a father and sometimes mode of the son and mode of the spirit. Only one. No, no. This, the, the scripture is always clear, plural. One essence, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's the express image. In fact, Colossians 2 says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So he is God of all God. He is the express image. He's the exact representation. Number five, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. He upholds. He's the one that controls. He supports. He maintains. By the way, that's in the present tense, which means continuously. He continuously upholds. I was going to read... But just for time, I can't. But um, <laughs> the fascination people have with the atom and the nucleus 
And how does it hold together? I think the, the illustration was of an oxygen where it has eight particles of, what was it, uh, protons positive and, and eight particles of neutrons. But the question the scientist is, says this, how does it all hold together? It's supposed to be negative, positive, but this is neutral. How does it hold together? In fact, let me just read one. They came up with this, quote, a strong nuclear force. Something's out there. And the other guy said this, there's some inflexible inhibition is holding them relentlessly together. I'll tell you what the relentless inhibition is, is God himself. By the way, this is cool. In Romans, it says, how does God abandon it? Or how does God judge a nation? He abandons it. He just lets it go its way. How does God finally destroy the universe? He just lets it go. He no longer holds it together. In fact, one guy was saying this. How is it that we don't have nuclear explosions all around us? What's holding this together? In the very end, it will just be nuclear explosion, I believe. Because the sun finally said enough. Done. Just not going to hold it together anymore. Okay? I hope this just gives you more reason to say, man, let's praise him. See, the constancy, the consistency... Well, Earth's orbit, what is it? Um, this is interesting. The sun is 12,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Again, you've never seen the sun. You just see the explosions. We're too close. We'd be burned alive. If we were too far away from it, we would freeze to death. The orbit is, what, 23 degrees, something like that? The, the moon has to be a certain way. You know what? If it wasn't exactly where it's at, if it was too far, I think it's too far, then we would just be flooded by the tidal waves. But he keeps the moon there and the turning. And because of the turning, we don't all get destroyed. There's just so many things that he holds in a very delicate balance. That's why it's so foolish to listen to these people. Oh, we're going to save the earth. <laughs> See, Jesus Christ was not, is, is not like the deists. You remember the deists said that God created and he was like a watchmaker that started the, the ticking clock and then let it go. That is, not, that is not how Scripture paints God, the Godhead. He didn't let it go. He's upholding it at this very moment. By the way, he doesn't only uphold the earth so it doesn't become chaotic. <laughs> he upholds us. Our very life, our very spiritual being, our very spiritual life. Because Philippians says this, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a, be a good work in us will complete it until the day of Christ. He's even holding me. If it wasn't for him holding me, I would reject him the next moment. I'm not saved because I got smart. I'm saved because he's holding me. He's holding you. And what he started, he will finish. How about numbers, uh, what is this, number six? He is the only Savior. Look at the, verse 3. When he had by himself... Now again, they, he's glorious, he's creator, he upholds all these things. Now it's leading to the purpose. Why did he come? When he had by himself purged our sin. Again, not that we are saved... Oh, excuse me. Not that all are saved when it says, you know, when he had purged, uh, purged our sin. He's not talking about everyone there. But rather, if a person uh, receives him, he has purged their sin. Remember when uh, Joseph was uh, uh, 
confronted, I'll use that word, you know, by the angel. And it says, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's the purpose of why Jesus Christ came to this earth, took on flesh. He's going to save his people from their sins. Why? The wages of sin is death. But by going to the cross and bearing the judgment of God, taking the place of the sinner, that's you and me, he died under God's wrath. He took that wrath, the wages of sin is death. He took that wrath for, for our sins. He paid the penalty for what all the sins that I had committed, that you had committed. And he died my death. And Hebrews 7 says this, who does not need daily, talking about Christ, as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for his people. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. Praise God. He died once. He died as the God-man. He, interesting thought. He was the Savior. He, excuse me, He was the Creator. He upholds all things. Even on the cross, He was upholding all things. Now put that one in your mind. He both died and upheld everything on this earth at the same moment. And beyond us. But He is the perfect Savior. Peter says He is the spot, spotless. The blood of Christ was spotless. He was perfect. First John said the blood of Christ that is able to cleanse us from all sin. Why? Because he's the Emmanuel. Or as St. Corinthians says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. As the God-man, his death had infinite value. And for anyone who would put their faith and trust and hope only in Jesus Christ, repent of their sin and turn only to him, his promise is that he would forgive and he would make you one of his children. In fact, since we're already in John chapter 1, you don't turn there, but, but just let me read you two verses before of what we had talked about that he, uh, he became flesh. It says this, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. He gave us the right because his, his death had infinite value. Have you ever put your faith and trust and hope in Jesus Christ? Not like he's a good person. No. And by the way, he proclaimed himself to be God. For Abraham was, I am. He's either that or he's a liar. Or even worse, he's a lunatic. Or as C.S. Lewis said, it's like, he's either a liar, a lunatic, or what? The Lord. He is the Lord. And he came for the purpose of dying for our sins. And then finally... He is exalted above all. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He sat down. What does that represent? It's finished. Remember on the cross he said, it is finished. He sat down. His work of redemption is done. It's completed. Hebrew says this, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. One offering, he's able to sit down. He's done. The priest never sat down. They went into the temple and out of the temple. Always moving. Christ offered himself and sat down. Work of redemption is complete. But not only that, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Let me just end with this verse. It's Philippians 2. Because he was willing to humble himself, become a servant, obedient even to the point of death, the death of the cross, he, because he was willing to become humble, humility 
Now there's exaltation in Philippians 2 verse 9 says this, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because he was humbled, he is now exalted. Humility always comes before exaltation. Remember that as a Christian. This is just a blip on the screen. This is a moment of time that we're on this earth as believers. And this world hates you. And they're going to hurt you. (laughs) And you're going to be humbled over and over and over again. But just as Christ was humbled, he was also exalted. And just as we are humbled at the mo- this moment of time when we're looked at as the dregs of society, someday as we walk with him and, and faithful to him, what, you know what happens? We are exalted. Heirs of God, co-heirs with him, seated in the heavenlies, able to worship him with perfection because we walked with him. And I trust that during this Christmas season that you will be able to keep Christ as a center You will walk with him. And now, even at this very moment, right now, that you will stand, let's stand, and really with all your heart that just said, I want to praise you, that you will be able to do that. Let's let's worship him.